The teachings of General Conference are the considerations the Lord would have before us now and in the months ahead. Our marching orders for each six months are found in the General Conference addresses. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently. I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I exhort you to study the messages of this conference frequently, even repeatedly, during the next six months. You're listening to the Conference Talk Podcast, where it's conference weekend every weekend. Each weekend on this show, we discuss talks from the most recent general conference of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We'll share some insights, make some connections, and hopefully have a bit of fun as we discuss the words of our Latter-day leaders. I'm your host, Matthew Watkins, and today we'll be discussing President Emily Bell Freeman's address, Walking in Covenant Relationship with Christ. And for this episode, we've invited a very special guest who I'm going to fanboy over just a tiny bit. This is Dan Ellsworth. Hello. Thanks for having me. For those who don't know Dan, I'll throw out a little blurb here. He's got an amazing YouTube channel called Latter-day Presentations that I only stumbled on probably about four months ago, but it is an absolute goldmine, guys. He goes really, really deep into a lot of topics that tend to come up as related to social issues, their intersection with the gospel. Well, you talk politics without getting partisan, of course. It's really just a lot of great presentations on epistemology and all sorts of subjects that are relevant to discourses in our faith. Cool. I'm glad you find it helpful. You're also a writer for Public Square Magazine, which is something I love to follow as well. I love your takes on that. You write some stuff with J.D. Cunningham, a bunch of articles, really good. Very well balanced, I think, as well. You've also written several articles for The Interpreter Journal, which is another wonderful resource into Latter-day apologetics. So I really appreciate your work before we get started here. Very good. Thank you. Now, what made you choose this particular, because I gave you a choice, and you immediately went for Emily Bell Freeman. Yeah. (laughs) So Public Square Magazine does a kind of a conference roundup with each conference where they ask some of their contributors to, they just kind of, they put out a request. Hey, if anything stands out, then, you know, and you want to put forward some thoughts on a particular talk, let us know. And, and so they, they kind of offered that to those of us who are kind of regular contributors there. And so I was I was sitting there watching conference and this talk was it just jumped out at me as one of the most relevant and like pointedly important messages of this general conference. So I I don't I'm not exaggerating when I say I think it, it it's one of the most urgent messages that was delivered. And so you know I immediately after this talk, <laughs> I immediately responded to Public Square and said, I call dibs on Emily Bell Freeman's talk. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it, it was very good. And I think it dovetails so nicely with President Nelson's talk. They really go together about prioritizing things. It's like they're sharing notes. Yep. So as she starts in the talk, she describes going along the Jesus Trail in Israel, except there's a problem. She's busted her ankle. Now, I think this actually speaks about Sister Freeman's dedication, that she breaks her ankle a month before her trip, and I guess she was able to cancel plane tickets, which, by the way, is a miracle post-COVID. Not a lot of airlines with a good cancellation policy nowadays, but apparently she had one. But she did it. She said, no, I'm going to go to Israel. I'm going to walk that Jesus trail. That stuck out to me right off the top, right from the beginning. 
her tour guide though was not quite as optimistic as she was. Right. Yeah. And so you, you know, you see this kind of decision like, okay, <laughs> how's this going to work? Right. But, but it's something that she felt strongly about. Right. And she, she kind of knew that she needed help along the mm-hmm. way, or, or at least her guide knew that she would need help along the way. And I love the wording that she gave her guide. She said, I can walk the trail broken. And already you're starting to see the similarities tying to her message with President Nelson. Her guide had a lot of pity on her. Now, this is really interesting because we're reporting about the story of Israel right now, when at the time of this recording, less than a month and a half out from Hamas's slaughter of refugees in the Gaza Strip. And the whole world is in turmoil over that. And you know, the ramifications, the context of everything this is really interesting timing here that this is happening while this is going on. Right. So she talks to her guide about pulling her up. Now, have you ever been to Israel? I haven't personally. I have not been. Okay. So when she's talking about pulling up the hills through lemon orchards and the banks of the Sea of Galilee, I'm like, is that a bad hike? How steep is it? How difficult is this? But apparently she's able to do it on a scooter with a rope being pulled by a guide. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, obviously she's, She's conveying a message. There's, there's, there's a metaphor here in this experience of hers. Going on this trail, injured, wounded, broken, whatever word you want to use, and, you know, needing help, and, but also stubborn, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is how we approach discipleship a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's stubborn wanting to get to the destination, as opposed to being stubborn and not wanting to do the work. Correct. Correct. Like, I got to make this happen. That's It's that kind of stubbornness. It's like the woman with the issue of blood chasing after Jesus. I don't care how many people are in the way. Right, right. Which is wonderful. And she brings in the story of Enoch now, a man slow of speech. He had all these problems. And the Lord's solution to him was, walk with me. And I'll call it before we get too far, I am a footnote junkie. I don't know if you have the same addiction that I do, but Sister Freeman is one of those that, as I was reading through this talk, she doesn't just put in your generic, oh, here's the scripture I reference footnotes. She's got paragraphs of context here. Yeah. And when she talks about Enoch, she talks about the people in Enoch's day, and she adds this little bit here, which I'm surprised didn't make it into the talk, where she was talking about how Enoch's felt hindered. And she gave this application. She says, maybe like Enoch, you are unsure if you can walk this path in your condition. Maybe you feel hindered in some way. Perhaps the very reason we need to walk the covenant path is because of our condition, because we are hindered in some way and need this help. I'm sad that didn't make it into that part of the talk, but there's a little gem for the listeners. Go read her footnotes. They are fantastic. Yeah, it's almost like an addendum to the talk, really. It, mm-hmm. and, and frankly, you know, she... She might have written a little more of a talk than she had time for, and maybe she just like <laughs> moved some parts to the footnotes, which is a common thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm not going to have time to say all of this, so I'll footnote some of these ideas. Well, in an episode we're going to be releasing here in another few weeks, we have a speaker that went above and beyond that and gave 63 footnotes in a 10-minute talk, and he had a whole second talk in there. So, Yeah, that's yeah. another talk right there. Yeah, wonderful. So, going on from Enoch, she talks about, okay, like Enoch, we are invited to walk the path with God. And then she goes to talk about Jacob's dream and what she calls the five-finger promise. Now, what was your thoughts on the five-finger promise? 
There are some interesting footnotes here. So, too. so before we talk about the five finger prophets, I Jacob is one of my favorite figures in the Old Testament, oh. and part of the reason why is because his story is so odd. It's so like not straightforward. You How mean like wrestling with the Lord and getting touched in the thigh? <laughs> well, it, and just like his whole journey, you know, the conflict with his brother, and like mm. the there's so much about it that is so not straightforward. Yeah. And so when you have when you have people who are walking the covenant path, but their their life just, you know, it doesn't look exactly like everybody else's. And and you know, a lot of times people can kind of feel like, gosh, you know, I I'm divorced or you know, any number of other circumstances and and feel like, yeah, you know, my my walk of the covenant path is not as straightforward and seemingly perfect as another person's. Mm-hmm. Well, Jacob is the story to to think about because it was so convoluted how he had to navigate so many strange circumstances. And then, you know, he arrives at this point where he enters into this covenant relationship with the Lord. So it, as you're singing hymns in church, if you ever sing the hymn Nearer My God to Thee, which is one of my personal favorites, it's all about the story of Jacob in the Old Testament. So oh. go back and read the lyrics and then go back and read the story of Jacob and you'll see it's entirely based on his story. Especially those lines about Bethel I'll raise, yeah, right? Yeah. It's it's one of the reasons why it's so powerful to me. It's one of my very favorite hymns. But then you have, you know, in, in Emily Bell Freeman's talk, she she talks about these promises. I'm with you. I will keep you safe. I will bring you home again. I will not leave you. I will keep my promise to you. And, you know, she's she's basically giving kind of a modern, easy, easy to understand interpretation of what was promised in those scriptures, right? And that easy to understand part is important. In the footnote, she says, she says, my girls want to whisper this five-finger promise to their children, my grandchildren, every morning as a reminder of the father who is divinely loyal to his children. I think that's awesome. She's whispering these Old Testament Abrahamic covenant promises to her kids, and they've so ingrained it that they want to pass it on to future generations, and it becomes like this family motto thing that they're going to incorporate into their everyday life. So that's why you right. said it's a very modern adaptation. I think it's beautiful because they're going to try to use it in a modern child-friendly way. Right. And and here she after she articulates, you know, these elements of of the promise, she has a a sentence that should kind of give you pause. She says Jacob had a choice to make. So stop right there. That means there's, you know, there's a fork in the road. What is he mm. going to do? He could choose to live his life simply acquainted with the God of his father, or he could choose to live life in committed covenant relationship with him. Love that. And so here she's she's drawing a contrast in between ways in which we approach our faith. Do we want to be just kind of acquainted with God? You know, go to church, kind of do what what we understand that is expected of us, you know, just kind of check the boxes and <laughs> you know occasionally have a nice experience in sacrament meeting just 
coasting you know living basically acquainted with god or do you want the covenant relationship where there's the commitment mm -hmm. where you're you're wanting to be transformed by god that's a whole different kind of relationship than just being acquainted so you know she's giving us th this fork in the road and and she's inviting the listener of the of her talk to understand that there are differences between these two approaches to faith and you spoke of that fork. Everyone faces that fork, not just Jacob, but his descendants, the children of Israel. Recently, fresh out of Egypt, here they are at Mount Sinai. And they're given that invitation, that forking road invitation. Come up and be in the presence of the Lord. Come up on the mountain. And what are they going to do? Oh, no, Moses, we're not ready for that. We're not interested in having that kind of personal relationship with Jehovah. Well, you go up there. You be our intermediary. You go be our go-between. We're going to stay down here. We're comfortable with the level of a relationship we already have. Yeah. So, so this is, and she continues down and she says, you know, she, she's, she's talking about this contrast in choices and how we approach faith. And then she starts talking about, you know, she says, we call this walking the covenant path a path that begins with the covenant of baptism and leads to deeper covenants we make in the temple. Perhaps you hear those words and think of checkboxes. Maybe all you see is a path of requirements. A closer look reveals something more compelling. A covenant is not only about a contract, although that is important. It's about a relationship. President Russell M. Nelson taught the covenant path is all about our relationship with God. Now, President Nelson, in his ministry, he has really emphasized this phrase, you know, the, the covenant path, this wording oh, yeah. about a covenant path. It has really emerged and solidified a lot during his ministry. And I think there, I think that's timely because broad, more broadly speaking, okay, with young people having access to social media, people can kind of choose. It's, it's so much easier now to choose circles of friends and acquaintances who fit our views exactly mm -hmm. and just only ever affirm what we think and validate what we think. It's yep. very easy to, to build communities of people who only ever, who, who never challenge you to be better, right? Yep. And the result of that is, you know, there are a lot of studies showing that in the United States, and I'd say in, in a lot of Western countries, People are feeling more lonely than ever, more disconnected from other, from, you know, human connection, which is something that we all need. Mm -hmm. So, so you have this paradox of, yeah, I have access to connection on social media and I can pick friend groups so much more easily. And yet, so, so why do people feel more lonely? Well, it has a lot to do with the kinds and quality of relationships. So when I go to church, I don't, I don't pick everybody who's going to sit in that chapel with me and, and just pick everybody who, you know, who, who will tell me that I'm great or <laughs> tell me that everything <laughs> that I think is correct. And like we do with social media, right? That's what social media offers. Mm -hmm. When I go to church, I have a covenant relationship with God first, and then also a covenant relationship with the people around me. And it's more work. It's a lot more work. 
you have to exercise patience and long suffering and love and you serve people. And, you know, it's, it's a much higher quality and deeper way of relating to other people than we find on social media. Yeah. So when we hear this word covenant, we should think higher quality and more effort, but it's worth it. You know, when I go to church, I, I experience human connection constantly. I, I actually, you know, I have these friendships that I've cultivated over years. Mm-hmm. Whereas again, you know, in broader society, people are struggling. They simply don't have that. They don't have it in their workplaces. They don't have it in, you know, their their social environments. So it's the bowling alone you know, phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bowling alone is it's a book that came out years ago. And it was speaking to this. And but this has only increased since that book came out, right? Well, with the um, internet, you can just say, Oh, I have tons of friends. I have a hundred friends. Oh, they're all exactly like me. And they're scattered across the country, right. but they're there. <laughs> so like the Surgeon General of the United States recently wrote an entire book about like how we are plagued by a lack of human connection. Well, why is that? You know, he you until you address the root cause, which is which has a lot to do with the quality of our relationships, you know, you're you're just going to have less and less human connection and more depression and and mental health issues. Well, so, you spoke about quality of relationships. I think quality decreases with quantity. By which I mean, yeah, you've got 500 Facebook friends, right? You've got a thousand and a half followers on Twitter. So these all these human connections you technically have. Yeah. But I wonder if it's like, okay, well, I can't give real time and attention to any of them. And so I just have a bunch of weak connections instead of a few very critical core strong ones. I'd say if quantity is your goal, you will not have quality. Mm. Now, if it's a secondary goal, if your goal is quality, then sometimes quantity happens. Or maybe with quantity, we feel complacent. Like, yeah. Well, why should right. I feel so alone? I have so many connections. I have so many people I talk to all the time. Yeah. And yet we sit there wondering, realizing it's not the quantity that's a problem. It's right. the goal. And social media, again, it'll give you that illusion. Look how many friends and followers I have. And, and a lot of people with massive numbers of friends and followers are miserable people. And they share their misery with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. So this talk is speaking to the quality of a relationship Mm. and it's and it's focusing on the quality of our relationship with god do you want that to be a superficial relationship where there's no demands place and you know it's it's shallow and superficial like a lot of our social media friendships or do you want a covenant relationship which is a whole different experience right that's the essence of this talk and she addresses that superficial nature that sometimes we impose on the covenant path, where she said, and you can quote her in this earlier, perhaps you hear these words about the covenant path and think of checkboxes. And here's why. It's because right now, if you go into the Gospel Tools app, you have what's called the My Covenant Path, which is what used to be the new and returning member checklist. Yeah. And so, it's so easy to look at that as just a rebranding. Oh, this is a rebranding of the checklist. She says, maybe all you see is a path of requirements. And so many people do. Certainly the critics of the gospel do. They think, oh, the church must not be true because it's so demanding. 
And she says, a closer look reveals something more compelling. And then she talks about, she says, it's easy to see this as something it's not. Look closer and you'll find the actual meaning, which reminded me of what President Oaks said in this conference. He was actually quoting himself from a previous conference about the family proclamation. The way she worded it set me off on that. He said about the family proclamation, very similarly, just like she talked about the covenant path, he said, those who do not fully understand the father's loving plan for his children may consider this family proclamation no more than a changeable statement of policy. Like people look at the covenant path, assume it's nothing but a checkbox. Get this ordinance, that one, level off, just like in a book. In contrast, we affirm the family proclamation is founded on irrevocable doctrine and defines the moral family relationships as the most important part of our eternal development, which, as she said, is the relationships can occur. It's an yeah, interesting so tie in my mind. It's, it's interesting. You know, she, she talks about, she says, consider a marriage covenant. The wedding date is important, but equally important is the relationship forged through the life lived together afterward. Mm-hmm. She says, the same is true with a covenant relationship with God. Conditions have been set and there will be expectations along the way. And yet he invites each of us to come as we are able with full purpose of heart and to press forward with him at our side, trusting that his promised blessings will come. So there are expectations in a covenant Mm -hmm. relationship. Every good relationship has expectations. Absolutely. Their expectations are like, you know, that's how you build strength in a relationship. That's Mm -hmm. how you build, you bond and and you, you become cohesive, right? But people think of God as a gumball machine. Oh, he never asked anything of me. Well, I mean, you need the marriage. Think of that. If I never have any expectations of my wife, she never has any expectations of me, what does that say about what we actually think of each other? Right. It means that we don't have trust. We can't rely on each other. We're not connected enough to really expect anything of each other. It's just like, we're here to serve like a butler. And that's not a relationship. Correct. The the analogy that I've sometimes given is that Christ is like a personal trainer at the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's tough. Like if you sign on <laughs> to his program, he's going to be right there with you and he's going to push you. You are going to explore your limits <laughs> with this personal <laughs> trainer. I mean, it is not going to be a walk in the park when you step into the gym, right? Yeah. But year after year, you are going to see your growth. You're going to see like, I can't believe that I'm able to do these things now that last year there's no way I could do. And the year before, it's unthinkable, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's like to have a demanding personal trainer. And that's that's who Christ is. He will push you to your, you will explore your limits, right? And it's going to um, hurt. Yep. Elder Hubie Brown's current bush. Thank you, Mr. Gardner, for loving me enough to hurt me. Right, right. And that is... Again, that speaks to what she's doing in this talk is she's she's giving people a reality check about the nature of this relationship. Sometimes it will hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay. And no pain, no gain, really. <laughs> you know, like they say, some of my very most difficult things that I've had to do in my church service, in my discipleship, you know, I look back and I wouldn't trade them for the world even though I felt like I was at my limits, you know, on my mission at several points, for example. Like, I, I, I don't know how I can make it through this day, right? It's, it's been so soul-crushing. Where'd you serve, by the way? I served in Brazil. Cool. 
Yeah. So very, I had some very tough days though, where it was just like, how do I even come back from the disappointment that I feel today? Right. How do I get up tomorrow and try to do this again? But you do it. And so, you know, these are things where like at the end of a mission and later on in life, you look back and it's like, oh my gosh, I am so glad that I served. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that I, uh, that I stayed, you know, and kept going to church. I'm so glad that I worked through this challenge and that challenge instead of giving up, even though I felt like I was at my limits sometimes. That is a covenant relationship. And and that's what you read about with Jacob in the Old Testament, right? <laughs> Just like the things that he was told to do. And and that's true of a lot of people. So President Freeman, she is she's addressing this in this talk, right? And what she's what she's doing is there are some cultural currents in in the not just in the United States, but throughout the Western world where there's this idea that if God exists, then God exists to just validate me mm-hmm. and God exists to affirm what I think. And, you know, God's never going to dictate terms or <laughs> expectations to me because that wouldn't be nice. Right? I love how Elder Holland worded it. He said, if there is a God, he must be a comfortable God, an easy God that doesn't demand too much, doesn't rock the boat, doesn't even row it. <laughs> right, right. And so here, President Freeman, she addresses this head on. She says, when I returned home from Israel, I listened more closely to the conversations around me regarding covenants. I noticed people asking, why should I walk a covenant path? Do I need to enter a house for making covenants? Why do I wear the holy garment? Should I invest in a covenant relationship with the, with the Lord? I want to call out that She's rephrasing the questions different from how she's actually asked those questions. Like, I understand for a general conference talk, she's rewording them in a particular way, but we're not in a general conference talk, right? We're on a podcast, so I think it's safe. Let's go ahead and actually spell out explicitly the questions that she's actually referring to that people are asking nowadays. Think about just a lot of voices out there saying that there shouldn't, a covenant path is. Like, why would God require me to do that? You know, if if there's a God, why can't God just say, yeah, I accept you exactly as you are, and there's no path that you need to walk? Well, don't we each have our own path, right? Yeah, and every path is equally good and valid. She says, do I need to enter a house for covenants? Can't I make promises to God without going to the temple? Right. Can't I feel his spirit when I'm outside of the church? Can't I just do that in my in my kitchen, mm-hmm. right? Can't I? You know, why why wear a holy garment? Can't I wear whatever I want? Why would God care about clothes? Right? I bring this up because I love the way she worded these questions. When you hear people whining on social media, asking questions, it sounds so confusing. But when you use the gospel terminology, they're so more clear. Like, why do I wear the holy garment? Most people that I have heard put it up, they don't use that word holy or garments of the holy priesthood. When you speak of those, you can't help but sense this reverence and the necessity for those sacred symbols. But when you say, oh, you know, or as I heard someone else say, who are you to ask me about my underwear, right? When you treat it flippantly and casually and you don't use the correct terminology, then yeah, it seems like a valid question. What does God care about my underwear? But the way she words it, I love it. 
even just her way of asking the question cuts through the question, makes it so much clearer. Right. I love that. Yeah. I mean, holy, that is a word that a lot of people, they either avoid that word because they don't like whatever it represents Mm -hmm. or they redefine it to mean nothing. Yes. Whatever I want to do, that's holy. My, however, you know, my desires are holy. My perceptions are all holy. They, they redefine it again in, in kind of to reflect their own self-worship, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I really do appreciate that she used that here. Why do I wear the holy garment? And, but her, her conclusion here is just kind of a nuclear bomb to popular culture, right? <laughs> it's wonderful. The, I love her. The answer to these good and important questions is simple. It depends on what degree of relationship you want to experience with Jesus Christ. So good. Each of us will have to discover our own response to those deeply personal questions. Now, notice she didn't say here that every response leads to the same place. Mm -hmm. She didn't say every response is equally good, equally valid. But like, take note, do some soul searching because that response is personal. Nobody can respond to this question for you. But what is the degree of relationship that you want to experience with Jesus Christ? Do you want that to be superficial? Do you want it to be a shallow relationship? Do you want to create an imaginary Jesus in your own image and worship that? Or do you actually want to come to know our Savior? Because if you do, number one, that's going to be that, like I said, it's going to push you to explore your limits in a lot of ways. But number two, it is going to be the most profoundly sweet and wonderful relationship in your life. That's what you will hear from people who take that relationship seriously. It is demanding. It's challenging. I feel constantly out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But wow, I would not trade this relationship for anything anything that the world has to offer. And how she worded that bomb of an answer really touched me. Because how she worded the beginning, when she finishes it, the last sentence, she says, each of us will have to discover our own response to those deeply personal questions. That in isolation sounds like a cop-out of the question, should I wear my garments? And me, who's very much like, when I talk, I sound like an 80s or 90s era general conference talk, very black and white. Of course you should wear your garments. It's a settled question. The Lord's already spoken on the matter. Haven't you read the Temple Recommend questions? Haven't you read the 1700 talks here? Haven't you been, you know, beat your head to over all this doctrine? The answer is clear. And so if I were to hear someone say, well, each of us will have to discover our own responses to these deeply personal questions, that sounds like a cop-out. But you look at her answer in entirety. She says the answer to these questions is what degree of relationship you want with Jesus Christ. The answer to these questions is a second question, which is how much do you love Jesus? Wow, that is so on fire. And it's really cool to answer that question with the question, because it just cuts through all of those false assumptions that people make about the nature of the gospel. And it cuts through all those talking points right away and says, you know, look, I don't need to beat you over the head with this. I don't need to come and give you 17 different resources as to why. The real question you need to answer for yourself is, how deep of a relationship do you want to have with the Savior? It's like I can preach my gospel. They tell missionaries every concern people have, whether it's word of wisdom, tithing, 
clothing, anything else, seventh-day worship, it's actually a false concern, or at least a tertiary or secondary concern. The main question they need to answer is, is the Book of Mormon true? Because if it is true, everything else is true by implication. So you help them link that. And when they're confused about, oh, Joseph Smith married a 14-year-old, whatever, don't spend three hours trying to go over your theories on the doctrine of polygamy. Say, okay, your real question is here. And I love when she said that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Now, here is something that after that, what I call the nuclear bomb of her talk, you know, that <laughs> she's, she's really confronting all of her listeners with the question that they need to be asking deep in their souls, right? You, you have to ask this question. I cannot answer it for you. Nobody else can, but you have to ask it. Because it's now, not a doctrinal true or false question. It's a question of what you want. Yeah, it really is. Because God is going to let you have what you want forever, right? Mm. So, man. I love C.S. Lewis's quote. There are two people at the end of judgment, two types. Those to whom they say, thy will be done to God, and those to whom God says, thy will be done to them. That's exactly our doctrine right there. God is going to let you have whatever you want. And he'll let you have it good and hard. Right. So you need to ask yourself what you want. And nobody can answer that for you. Now, after this, she she gives her own answer. And this is where I would point people to the Leahona. Mm -hmm. Because when you read this next paragraph, she has italicized terms that are kind of what I would call like salient words, words that stand out. So as she's describing the nature of her walk on the covenant path, you know, she's, she has italicized these words to emphasize them. So she said for, for her answer, she says, here is mine. I walk this path as a beloved daughter of heavenly parents, divinely known and deeply trusted as a child of the covenant. I am eligible to receive promised blessings. I have chosen to walk with the Lord. I have been called to stand as a witness of Christ. When the path feels overwhelming, I am strengthened with enabling grace. Each time I cross the threshold of his house, I experience deeper covenant relationship with him. I am sanctified with his spirit, endowed with his power, and set apart to build his kingdom. Through a process of daily repentance and weekly partaking of the sacrament, I am learning to become steadfast and to go about doing good. I walk this path with Jesus Christ, looking forward to the promised day when he will come again. Then I will be sealed his and lifted up as a holy daughter of God. So I gave emphasis to, to each of the words that she italicized in the Leahona. You can see, again, that's a very different quality of relationship. Yeah. You can see how she understands what are what are the blessings of her decision to embrace this level of relationship with the Lord. And these words are very powerful. That's why she has chosen to emphasize them and, and italicize them. So she says, this is why I walk the covenant path. This is why I cling to covenant promises. This is why I enter his covenant house. This is why I wear the holy garment as a constant reminder, because I want to live in committed covenant relationship with him. So anybody Again, you know, she she asked those questions a little bit earlier, like, why would somebody do those things? Well, now here are the answers, because this is the nature of that covenant relationship. She's, she's listed here the blessings that she sees, 
and her hopes for the future. And this is why I do those things. There's not a whole lot of ambiguity as far as, you know, her reasoning here. It's very, very clear, very unambiguous, (laughs) you know, why she has chosen this covenant relationship. And I know a lot of people were really upset when she got to this part of the talk. Yeah. There were hopes among some members of the church that she would be this transformative voice. You know, she'd been a podcaster. She'd had a social media influence experience. She's one of us. Oh, she's one of us. And then here in her first talk, she comes out and says, hey, well, if you really want to have a covenant relationship with God, if you really love Jesus and you want to have a deep relationship with him, you're going to do these things like wearing the garment. And they're like, oh, dang it. She's one of those obedient ones. (laughs) Right, right. So. I, I think that's one of the reasons why I appreciated the talk so much too, was, you know, you kind of, you understand there are eyes on her hoping that she will be a voice of, you know, cause, cause her, her personality is just so kind of kind hearted and fun. That, oh, for sure. Even what you called her nuclear bomb is really sweet sounding yeah. <laughs> and sensible. And I'm reading, I'm like, wow, this is powerful when you really dig into it. And I see how it, cuts through falsehoods, but at no point would I say that this is condescending or offensive or anything that people often accuse members of the church of being when they teach these truths. Right, right. So it's it's really powerful stuff. And, you know, she has an invitation where she says, begin where you are. Don't let your condition hinder you. Remember, pace or placement on the path are not as important as progress. Ask someone you trust who is on the covenant path to introduce you to the Savior they have come to know. Okay, absolutely critical piece of counsel there. Pick a quality of friend. You know, surround yourself with people who are so deeply committed to Christ and and deeply committed to, you know, to, to the covenant path, to walking that path well, right? Because the quality of the people that you surround your surround yourself with, that's that's definitely going to impact you. You want to be able to have friends who you can reach out to to ask these kinds of questions and have like these deep, you know, challenging soul level conversations with. Mm-hmm. So that's an, a very important piece of counsel she's offering. And for me personally, it's been disheartening to watch so consistently. That as Latter-day Saints become more popular as time goes on, they become less faithful. We don't have a lot of good role models, you know, of active, practicing, faithful, famous Latter-day Saints anymore. At one time, the first like 15 years of this millennium, it was, it was like, hey, look at all these amazing people. And now so many of them have fallen away. And it's been really sad. Uh, just this last week, at the time of this recording, a certain musician that She's out there advertising now that she's not wearing her garments, openly advocating for things that is against church council. It's it's sad. It's almost like you feel like, okay, I can't rely on anyone anymore. Right. It's everyone's just always failing all the time. I can't ever rely on someone. But that's not what the apostles and prophets are teaching. It's good still to have role models. We just have to be selective. When President Freeman talked about getting someone you can trust, like I said, everything in her talk dovetails so well with President Nelson's talk. I mean, this whole idea of the choice being yours. You get to determine, she says, what level of relationship you're going to have with the Savior. President Nelson says you get to determine what kind of body you want to be resurrected with, where you want to live for eternity, and who you're going to be with for eternity, which are all reflections of your daily 
relationships with the Savior. It's the same thing. They're all saying eternity is in the balance and the choice is yours. You can't coast spiritually. Well, you can, but not if you're aiming for the celestial kingdom. If you just want to take things these to come, okay, there's options available to you. They're nowhere near as good. (laughs) You're missing out big time. But that is an option. You could do that. But this council here, she talks about established role models. Again, she's sharing what President Nelson said, never take counsel from those who do not believe. And people got upset about that. But we all know what I'm talking about. Spiritual counsel is not the same as I'm not going to take counsel from my heart surgeon, unless he's a member of the church, right? When it comes to cardiac care. But President Nelson's counsel on that actually would be very good to listen to. (laughs) But he says, never take spiritual counsel from those who do not believe. Seek guidance from voices you can trust, prophets, seers, and revelators. He's saying, go ahead, have role models, have resources, have more tools, mortal tools that you can turn to and ask questions and try and emulate as intermediaries. Maybe I can't be like the Savior yet, but maybe I can start to be like so-and-so. That's okay. That's a good starting place. Just make sure you're selective about it. Yeah, absolutely. So so it's an excellent talk. And, you know, she closes with some some encouragement and her testimony. I, I thought it was just phenomenal. I was so happy with this talk. I mean, so happy with it. I have a YouTube playlist of my all-time favorite conference talks, and this went onto that list. I try to add at least one every general conference, and this one went on. Okay, we're going to have to take a side note here. What else is on that playlist? (laughs) I have to know. So, you know, you'll have some classics like Ezra Taft Benson's Beware of Pride that was Mm -hmm. read by President Hinckley way back when. There's several from President Boyd K. Packer, a couple from Richard G. Scott, Chieko Okazaki, her talk, A Living Network is just mm. one of the all-time best, I think. There's there's one from Elder Uchtdorf on fear that I thought was really good, you know, speaking to our motivations. There's there's, you know, some older ones like Bruce R. McConkie's last testimony. There's David B. Haight talking about his experience going to the other side and wow. Just a lot of it, it's a it's a very big list. <laughs> so is that playlist public? Like, can we include that in the show notes? Yeah, yeah, I can share it with you. I'll send you a link to it. Awesome, listeners. So if you want to get addicted to Daniel's talks, we're going to link them for you. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you like them. Yeah, I think this talk was absolutely wonderful. I mean, it was hard hitting. It cut to the chase, like President Nelson's talk again, but it was softer. It was, I don't know. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm praying that this kind of talk reaches an audience that maybe don't tune in to President Oaks and President Nelson right now. They can get the same message worded in such a way, or expressed in such a way, that it touches their, their hearts. And like you said, when you're talking about your YouTube channel at the beginning, helping people see issues from a different point of view and considering things that maybe they hadn't considered before. And I think Sister President Freeman's talk will do amazing work on that. I agree. Definitely agree. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Conference Talk Podcast. This episode, we discuss President Emily Bell Freeman's address, Walking in Covenant Relationship with Christ. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere you get podcasts. You can find links to all our podcast platforms on our website, conferencetalk.org, where you can also follow us on social media, drop us a comment, check out show notes, find the resources, including Dan's amazing playlist of all-time conference hits, and learn more about us, your hosts. If you want to follow me, Matthew Watkins, you can find me at powerinthebook.com or on Twitter at JoyfulRepenter. 
And a big thanks to our podcast guest, Dan Ellsworth, for joining us today. You can follow him on several places. Interpreter Foundation, Public Square Magazine, YouTube. What would you say is the best place for people to give you a listen? I'd say YouTube at Latter-day Presentations. That is the channel where I'm, I'm trying to do some good things, trying to make YouTube a little bit better. We'll see. And it's 100% working. So guys, if you have not checked out his Latter-day Presentations YouTube channel, do so. I'm putting pressure on him to create a podcast version of it. So feel free to add that pressure too. But remember, while we always appreciate new followers, it's better to follow the prophet and apostles themselves. Remember that although we love speaking about the church and our leaders, we never speak for them. Everything said on this podcast represents our own personal opinions. For The Witch, we invite you to tune in next week on the Conference Talk Podcast. Thank you.